I guess one of the things I'm trying to get across to me is that it's how we see things. And I'm sitting in the chair right there, and, and I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks about, you know, as a, as, a, as a bat or a pitcher it sits in the bullpen and he's watching the game go on. And the first pitcher comes up and then he's pulled and the second pitcher comes up and you're going down the line and you're getting closer and you're watching how these other guys who are part of your team are performing or not performing. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, I've got to teach on Sunday morning and i got to measure up the Bob and Cody and Paul and Chris and David Craig and Beecher my own son. And so I'm sitting there thinking, i got to measure up to him. And then I thought, wait a minute. Can you imagine that our own kids are what we have to measure up to? How about that for a blessing? Is that unbelievable? And so, I, so, so what I'm trying to get across today, and if I muddle it, forgive me now. But what I'm trying to get across today is that when, when we looked at this memory verse, I was thinking about the verse in Romans 8. I've been working on Romans 8. And it's, it's all about... For I don't consider the trials that are within our realm right now to be of any consequence because I know what's coming. And so Paul keeps over and over and over reiterating. And you know what? Why would we think that that's wrong to keep going over things and over things and over things and over things and over things? Because that's what he does. And so I'm going to start with a little bit of trivia. And I want you to answer this question. And if you think it doesn't apply, we'll see if we can weave it all together. Okay. The average woman who is 16 has 15. And when she's 30, she has 28. And when she's 40, she has 40. Now, this will give it away. About 10% of them are red. And at least two of them are never used. What am I talking about? Shoes, pairs of shoes. <laughs> now, we're not average, right? Does that mean we have more or do we have less? Um, and, and really what I read was that about four or five of those shoes are all they ever wear. The rest of them just sit. And I've worked on houses where entire walls were dedicated to shoes. Entire sections under special lighting were dedicated to red shoes. Go figure that. And so here's how we're going to start. I want you to very, 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 very subtly look down, and I want you to answer this question. Why do you wear what you wear? Do you wear what you wear to define who you are? Or do you wear what you wear as a response to who you are. Now, those may sound very, very, very similar, but let's think about that for a minute. If you wear what you wear to define who you are, then the next best definition may be better than the current definition. Correct? I have these questions here. Do you wear what you wear because of who you are or where you're going? Do you wear what you wear because of who you're interested in or who you're going to see that day? Or do you wear what you wear because of the wisdom of the age? Now, first of all, I want you to know that this lesson is not about what we wear. 
It's not about this. It's not about the skin. I think it was Liza who quoted this, and I don't know where she got this, and you probably all heard this but me, but she said, isn't it fascinating that in the entire world's population, God has given everybody generally two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and two ears. And every one of us looks so different. But back to the clothes. Why do you wear what you wear? Now, open with me to Colossians chapter 3. And the verses we're going to read preclude some of the things we need to talk about, and so we'll go back and talk about those. But it's, it's just a desire, and, and it's a desire in me, and I know it's a desire in Bob and Cody and Paul, and I, I know it's a desire in you and your families, but you know what? I'm beginning to see some things in this body that are looking amazingly healthy, even in the midst of things that are very unhealthy. And so what the emphasis of the things we're going to talk about this morning are, I said clothes because the verb Paul uses has to do with put on and put off, but it's about how we look to the world. So let's read, starting in verse 12 of chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I'm, I'm tell you what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to apologize. This may not be the full 45 minutes, and it may not be the full hour and a half. It may be 23 minutes, in which case you're just going to have to go eat some biscuits, which probably nobody's going to complain about. But this young church in this town of Colossae, Background is important, but it's not that important because what's important is what's going on in this church. If you go back and you read the first couple of chapters in this, in this book, here's what's happening. The church is being attacked by being accused of not being holy because of the things they're not doing. And what they're not doing is they're not worshiping at the proper festivals. And they're not eating the right food. And they're giving too much attention to themselves. They're not, they're not um, training themselves to be rough and tough. It's called asceticism. It's doing without. There's a verse that says, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, don't do any of that. It's too much fun. But there's also lots of, of accusations that the human wisdom and traditions that are prevalent in the day 
are enough. And this Christ stuff doesn't matter. And so this church is, wow, they're worshiping angels, they're worshiping things, they're worshiping each other, they're worshiping um, their own wisdom, they're worshiping their physical ability. It sounds pretty familiar to me. Sounds like us. And when I say us, I don't mean Mark and I don't mean Tim. It means us as a society. You know, it's pretty interesting when you start to listen to the guys who talk about signs of the end of the age, and one of the things they say is worship of animals and worship of athletes and worship of, of people that are higher than us and worship of systems, and you think, ooh, it's starting to sound kind of familiar. And I don't think we just build a wall around that. That's not what we have been called to do. And so, anyway, interestingly, the church at Colossae seems very, very similar to our church. And when I say our church, the American church. And so, what is it that Paul is going to tell the Colossians that he's already told the Galatians? Oh, and he told the Corinthians. Oh, and he told the Ephesians. And, oh yeah, he told the Philippians. He's told them all the same basic things. And what he said is this. Are you wearing what you're wearing Because of who you are? Because if you are, and you know what? I had this this nasty old jacket that Tim wore once in New York, and I was going to keep. You know what? Here's the problem I have. The problem is that we keep going back to who we were, and we keep putting those things on. And Paul is saying, let's think about who you are. Not who you were but who you are. And so these verses are talking about let's clothe ourselves, let's stand in front of the mirror in the morning, and let's put on gentleness and compassion and humility and kindness, and let's bear with one another, and let's put on the final little piece, it's love that binds it all together. And so, again, if anybody comes out of this thing and says, am I wearing what I'm supposed to be wearing? You missed it. Because it's all in here. But it should show to the world as directly as if it's out here. That's the key. Okay? Let's go through these verses a little bit, and we'll talk about some things, and then we'll see if we can apply it. You know, the problem I had with David Craig's message was that I watched him up there keep sticking himself in the heart. And as I'm doing this study, I keep sticking myself in the heart. And it's hard because when I got here this morning, I wasn't really quite ready. And Christopher said, I could give a testimony. That would probably take most of the time. And I went, hmm, that's a thought. But no, you know what? The best thing about this book is it lays clearly in black and white the things we were. But it also shows us who we are now and who we're going to be. And that's the encouragement. So let's look at what Paul says. Verse 12. Therefore, as God's, listen to this, as God's chosen people, who were God's chosen people and who are chosen now, holy and dearly loved by God, the sustainer and creator, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, and gentleness, and patience. You know what, guys and and girls? Way too many times, 
do I take the Christian life and I treat it as though I'm getting dressed in a power outage and there's no light in the room and it's dark and I'm wondering if the buttons match up and I'm wondering if the tie is straight and I'm wondering if this shirt goes with these pants or do I even care? I, I got it this morning and thought, oh, I shaved yesterday and I get here and I go, oh, no. <laughs> but the thing is this. These things, gentleness, compassion, humility, kindness. Add the rest of them. What are the rest of the fruits? Anybody? Self-control. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Love. You know what? These are really, truly three-dimensional. They are not just a thought. They're not just, well, maybe. I'll direct some at you but not you. You know what? When I walk in the room, you see me and you see me. And if you see love, then you should see love. And if you see anger, then you should see anger. These are real, honest to goodness, like I'm putting on a tie traits. And they're not just ideas. This is how we change who we used to be. And what Paul is doing here, and we could go into the linguistics of it and get all the, all the grammatical parts of the translations, but you know what? The bottom line is this. Paul is saying, let me, let me just tell you who you used to be. Lust, greed, evil desires, immorality, anger, malice, slander, filthy language. That's who you used to be. And you know what? Every once in a while, and I can look at David who's sitting right in the middle of the room. I think the Lord put him there. Every once in a while, I have to be careful because you know what? Every once in a while, I go over here and I put on the old clothes. And something slips out. And then I, I leave him and I go in and I go, why do I keep pulling that thing out of the closet? Why don't I just get rid of it? But this, this friend of mine back there said once, sometimes we take these things and we put them in our pocket and we hold on to them because we don't want to get rid of them. Because they have special meaning or they have, they have um, emotional value. And, or we're afraid. We're afraid because... That's who we are. I don't know who this new person is, but it's all right here. But that's, that's, we'll get there. Okay, so anyway, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Now, could each of us take each of those parts of our outfit and find a wrinkle or a flaw or a snag? And I would say for me, at any given day, at any given hour, Depending on who it is I'm talking to, I've taken either some of that off or I've hidden it behind something else. And that's, that's not what we are today. We're not putting on what we were. We're putting on what we are now. The way we dress, the way we think, the way we look today is a response to who we are in Christ. And we could go through all those attributes. But you know what? That's who we are in Christ. And that's the way we need to look to the world. Um, we have been, this is kind of a, I don't know about y'all, I don't walk around saying this every day because I can't quite figure this one out. But if you have died with Christ, then you've been raised with Christ. If I said, Michael, could you put into 20 words exactly what that means? It's, it's a hard concept, but it's, 
in, in Romans 5, Romans 6, 5 through 7, we're a new creation. And then um, I've got some written down here. I love Romans 5 and 6 because it talks about us being completely new in our regeneration and being brought back to life with Christ. After he was crucified and he came back to life, then we've been crucified and we brought back to life. And I, that's a hard concept for me. I don't get it. But he keeps talking about it over and over and over and over and over again. And so act your way into thinking, right? Figure that one out. It keeps, they keep talking about it, and we've got to figure out what it means. And if I keep going back to my old person, I keep going back to my old ways before, then I'm negating all these new things. I'm leaving them in the closet, and nobody's seeing them. And you know what? The world likes what I'm wearing when I'm not wearing that stuff that's in the closet, the new stuff. They like it when I wear the old stuff because I fit right in. I look just like them. And... I can get along, and I don't stand out, and they don't make fun of me, and everything works for a while. But it's only for a while. Previously, in the couple of verses before this, Paul makes a kind of an interesting statement, and he says, by the way, you are no longer Chance or Ezra or Alyssa or Christopher. You're not a Jew or a Greek or a Scythian or a barbarian or a slave. You're not free. It's none of those things. Those things don't matter anymore. Look around because, you know, I've been working on Romans 8 and memorizing it. And it's amazing how when you're working on verses over and over and over again, you begin to see things and you look around here and you say, heirs, we have not been led back into a slavery that gives us fear but we have become sons of the living God. Heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Now, look at the person next to you, and you and he or she are heirs of all that God has if you are in Christ. And you know what? All of a sudden, it really doesn't matter if you're a Smith or a Clark or a Baird or a Proach. It doesn't matter because we are now a family. And this gets huge to me at the end of this because what, what Paul, I think, is trying to emphasize here is you're not just going to your own homes now and being the Thompsons. That's not what this is about anymore. The Thompsons now have a string dangling, and it's left in the, in the fellowship hall. And it's going to pull them all back together again because, you know what? We are a body. And... It's kind of neat as I, as I, as an elder, begin to see things that happen in this church that even though outside influencers, there are darts coming in all the time. But you know what? I'm seeing this body moving together and growing together. And I'm thinking as I'm sitting there, well, I could, I could put on those old clothes and I could be fearful that I can't measure up to my own son in this message. Or I could say, wow, what an amazing thing that through the teaching of this church, through the fellowship of these believers, through the encouragement and admonishment of all of these people, I might not measure up to the scriptural and spiritual understanding of my own son. What an unbelievable thing. How thankful should we be for that? Okay, let's keep going. Don't let me get off track. Because I think I'd rather just quit talking than get off track. Because it'd be more fun to eat biscuits. So let's go to verse 13. 
This has been the hardest one in this church for me for the last 10 years. Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievance you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Two weeks ago, Bob was teaching on Jacob. And the first time in my life, I've always done this. Could you believe he got away with that stuff? Could you believe he did that? And I could never get a handle on the fact that, really, what about me? What about me? And Bob, finally, the Holy Spirit through Bob, said, what about you, bud? How come I forgive you, but you can't forgive him? The word bear means to put up with. And I have to tell you, and I'm going to reiterate this again when we get to this list of things that we need to do, but there are several people in my life who I had a grievance with. It was a tough one because what happened was not important, but what happened was that there was a, a miscommunication or a misunderstanding that festered until it just became pure old anger. And there's a couple of universal truths that I have to tell you about. One of them is that in every situation, the guy that I was angry with never had a clue. And you know the old saying about being bitter at somebody is like taking poison and hoping they get sick. But some of those lasted a year. Some of them lasted two or three or five years. Sounds like the feud, like the Hatfields and McCoys, doesn't it? But you know what I find out? And, and I even last night, I'm sitting here trying to think through this thing, and I thought, you know what? I think I just have a spirit of anger right now. You know what? I can't seem to get this message right. And I realized that maybe it's me. And so I stopped and I just prayed. And all of a sudden, it's like somebody opened up the vows. But, but here's the thing I'm talking about with that bear with one another. The bitterness that I had toward these people was only one-sided. It was only by me. They didn't even know. And you know what? I, I sought to, to be done with it. And here's what I've learned. And again, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but here's what I learned. Right after we got married, I stuck my hand in a, chain, in a, in a bandsaw, and it, it sawed it. <laughs> and so I've got my hand wrapped up in my shirt, and I told my dog to stay where he was, and I jumped in the car, and I raced to the hospital or the doctor's office, anyway. And trying to, knowing in the back of my mind, you better beat the shock. Because if you don't, you're driving, and you're going to be in big trouble. And so, anyway, long story short, I get there, and they shoot me up with something, and they say we're going to have to go to the hospital, and they do this big surgery. And they open up my arm to take nerves out of my arm right here to put into my finger. And the reason I'm telling you all that is because they put this, these stitches in this, this big slice they put in my arm. And, you know, I was back at work, probably not supposed to be, but a few days later. But anyway, this thing opened up. And it just, it just came apart too early, and so there's this big scar there. 
And you know what's interesting is that this scar is a perfect representation of that bitterness. And here's the thing I'm going to get to, and this is one of the things that I'm going to, I'm going to emphasize at the end of this, is that this healed. The scar is still there. It doesn't hurt. It's over. But the memory is still there. But you know what's neat about it is that it healed. It took time, but it healed. And, again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know something that this world is trying to tell us that if you don't get it in a nanosecond, it's not the right thing. You just don't, shouldn't accept it. And if we don't get our relationships figured out and our, our lusts fulfilled and our desires met, and if we don't get our retirement set and we don't do it right now, there must be something wrong. And these take time. They do. And so we, we have to separate ourselves from what somebody out there saying that we got to fix these relationships right now because you know what? They can't be. Anyway, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get it. I want to tell that. I want to say that to the end. That'll be about three minutes. No. <laughs> okay. Bearing with one another means to put up with one another. Is there anybody in this room that irritates you? Is there anybody in this room that has a habit that you don't like? Is there anybody in this room that brings something from where they were into the mix and it doesn't quite mix? What Paul says here is too bad. Learn to be like Christ and bear with one another. Put up with it. Matter of fact, don't just put up with it, but make a point of accepting it. And here's something I was thinking about. If, if you can get in the habit of forgiving somebody, and, and by the way, I'm preaching right now because I'm not doing, but I'm trying to do. And so as I speak this, I know that my wife may be going, are you writing this down? But if you could get in the habit of forgiving somebody or anybody for the things that bug you about them and not be worried about what's in it for you, it would be so freeing. Can you imagine that? You're not carrying around this big suitcase and somebody says, what's in that suitcase? Well, my, all, my, all the, the list of the things that that person bugs me about. And if, if you could just leave that at the door, and all of a sudden, you go out the front door and you forget that it's there and you just drive off and it's gone, done, over. Get in the habit of forgiving. But it's not forgiving. You know what, interestingly, a verse in Matthew says, forgive and you will be forgiven. I'm talking about something totally different than that. Forgive because you've been forgiven. And forget What's coming back? You know, it's amazing when you start thinking about Jesus. And, and I was going to ask you this morning about this, but how many things did he let go that we do to him? And, you know, this thing about having a grievance or a bitterness with somebody that goes on and on and on and you carry it around and it makes you sick and it starts making your back hurt and you don't know why you're doing it, but you just carry it anyway. But the person that you're bitter with didn't know. Um, I, the thought crossed my mind that because they didn't know that I was bitter with them, how many people are bitter with me that I don't even know about? 
How many things have I done to somebody that's made them angry with me and they're mad at me and I don't even know it because they're holding it in until they decide they can't stand it anymore then they come and punch me in the nose. But, but the thing is, that's the same thing with Jacob, is how could you forgive him? Oh, wait a minute. How could God forgive me? And when you begin to reciprocate those things, you begin to grow this garden of gratefulness. And as you begin to grow this garden of gratefulness, guess what? It's a healthy crop. It's a very healthy crop. Let's go on. I'm just kind of going all over the place. Um, okay, so, so bearing with one another is a big deal. Because there may be somebody in here, and I remember a guy in high school saying to me once, we got to be best friends, and really, truly, we're best friends. And he, he said to me once when we got to know each other, as we started going to church together, he said, you know, I used to see you in the hall. I didn't like you. And I said, yeah, it's kind of funny because I'd see you in the hall. I didn't like you either. And I think, really? What was that about? But you know what? I think we kind of carry that over into our world. And you know, it's funny because we're not talking about clothes, but how many times have you judged a person based upon what they're wearing? And you know what? Really, truly, I, I, I hate to say this, but it's really not about them. You know, if, if somebody shows up here in a bikini, as AC used to say, it's really not about them. It's about me. And if somebody bugs you because of what they're wearing or because of their tattoo, it's really not about them. It's about me. God will deal with them on their terms, but he's dealing with me on their terms. Oops. So it's, it's interesting to me that when somebody has, a, has an issue and I hold a grudge against them or I don't want to deal with it, you know what? It's not about them. It's about me. It's about me. This is so irritating. <laughs> I wrote this. Why does my experience always affect me? Um, let's go on to verse 14. It's interesting to me the way he writes this because he's got a deal with love. He says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What does it mean when Paul keeps talking about dying to yourself? What does that mean? I mean, what does it mean in the way we look? And listen to these. Listen to these. We've gone over these a thousand times. But listen to these and see if you can find yourself in any of these. Love is patient and kind and it doesn't envy, and it doesn't boast, and it's not proud, and it's not rude, and it's not self-seeking, and it's not angered, and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, and it doesn't delight in evil, and it always protects, and it always trusts, and it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Now, I'm on about two of those. And how many are you guys on? And it seems like to me, it's kind of like I get three of them, and, but then I lose one over here. 
It's like the plate spinner, you know? And, and then I get another one over here, but lost it. So it's sneaking out over there. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of envying this guy. And all of a sudden, what about me? And, and so it's this constant kind of, I don't want to use the word emotion, but it's this constant battle of how many of these I can hang on to. And, you know, the whole interesting thing that Paul seems to be saying in these verses is this. The reason you can't hang on to those new things is because you keep hanging on to the old things. And the reason you keep, and I was going to come in here this morning, I was going to start putting on clothes and putting on clothes, putting on clothes, putting on clothes. But you know what? The problem is that we can't seem to get all these new things on because we keep the old things on. And his whole message is get rid of the old Put on the new. And you'd be, imagine, you'd be amazed at how freeing it is. And I keep pulling the old. The word envy and the word trust, it doesn't delight in evil. Rude, self-seek. You know what? I better just quit. <laughs> because I got a long way to go. And there's a lot of them there. And it's an amazing thing to think that I was wearing none of those. Matter of fact, I was taking the, the opposite of those to a fine level of perfection. And Christ said, okay, I'll die for you. Wow. Wow. Um, I want to read this verse because I think this is where we're going. It's kind of a funny verse, but it's not. But No, it, it's not a funny verse. It's just a verse that we don't think about. We always talk about coming to church. We need to come to church. And we need to gather together. And we need to fellowship. And we need to sing. And you know what? I thought that this was kind of uh, let me go there. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and one mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so everybody, here's the, here's the note. Uh, everybody. Uh, one more time. Uh, with one heart and one voice glorify the Lord. Now, what I want you to think about is this, and, and I'm still not done, but I want you to think about this. As you're getting dressed tomorrow morning, and you're thinking, well, I got, a, I got the meeting today, or I'm thinking, I'm painting with oil-based paint. You know what? There's no reason to wear. But I want you to think about this. This is the body. And what you're putting on is what the world sees. And it's really not about what tie I'm going to wear. It's about, does this hat of compassion fit this morning? Oh, you know what? I got to meet with so-and-so. I got to take two layers of gentleness today. Because that's what they see. And that's what we're supposed to be. And I love that. One more, I got to hear it one more time. Uh, almost. Okay. But I like the fact that, that Paul is really encouraging us to be one body, one voice, 
one mind among many. Think about the different pasts of all the people here. Think about the different sins that have been committed in the last 20 minutes. I'm one of them. Think about that. And imagine as one voice. You know what? I I will say this. I went to a Promise Keepers twice. And once with Tim and once with some other guys. And it was in Denver. And with Tim, I heard 40,000 guys sing together. In Denver, I heard 90,000 guys singing one song together. And you know what? I can't imagine what one voice worshiping Christ in heaven is going to be like. Can you imagine that? And so I, I want to read this, and it's kind of long, but I love, 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 love this verse. But we'll get there in just a minute. Let's go through it. Um, the reason I want to wait is because it applies to something else. We're on verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And I love this little addendum. And be thankful. So interestingly, if you translate this, which I didn't do much of just, just for the sake of time, but when you translate this word peace in this verse, the word translates meaning that you or you or you or you are an umpire within this body. And you know what the umpire does? If you're a baseball player, the umpire calls the strikes and calls the balls and he calls the outs and he calls the box and he basically rules the game. He's the one who says that's the right thing and that's not or that stands and that doesn't. And so the word peace there means that Bex has got to be the umpire between Liza and Asa. Or Javier's got to be the umpire between Max and Daniel. And God brings us together as a group. And part of what we do is, is, holding, is admonishing and teaching and holding each other accountable. But you know what? There's the umpire between the two of you when you have a grievance. And that creates peace. And that's what this word peace means in this verse. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing hymns, psalms, and spiritual psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart towards God. Now, I think probably the most interesting verse is um, it is 1 Corinthians and it's I've got it written here somewhere. I'm just trying to find it. Here it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen to this as it applies to this body. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, 
where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, which is kind of a funny picture, isn't it? Where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would be, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. How about that one? Let's apply that to this room. The weaker parts of the body are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And on and on and on and on. We won't go any further. But here's the thought that I had. Somebody is telling this hand what to do. And somebody's telling this hand what to do. And somebody's moving this foot forward. It's not just walking in the dark. And within this body, there's a leader. And within this body, there's a follower. And it's interesting, if there were just a bunch of five-year-olds in here, it would be a different picture of the leader and the follower. But we're not a bunch of five-year-olds. We are called to a higher, a higher level than that. And so what, what kind of is fascinating to me is it's one thing to read this, and it's another thing to realize that Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart towards God. Okay, so let me just say it's Jessa. Maybe Jessa's the one who's, uh, she's the little one physically. Can I learn anything from her? Yeah, I can. Can she learn anything from me? Maybe. But the point is that we as one body, imagine this one body, it's not just an ear, it's not just a hand, it's not just an eye. It's hands and feet and a head. And you know what? This part of the body is helping this part of the body. And that part of the body is helping that part of the body. But interestingly, and some of you were gone last week, but you know what? Some discipline was issued last week. And that needed to happen. Because somebody has to be in charge. And you know what the scripture says? That person in charge is more accountable than that person. Aren't you grateful for that? (laughs) And so it's interesting because I don't ever think about the fact that within this body, somebody's got to be making the calls. And you know what? There's some grumbling once in a while, and I do some of it. And guess what that leader does? He bears with me. Just like I should bear with you. And just like you should bear with her. And it goes on and on and on. And so the the thing that Paul's doing here is he's saying, you as a body have been dressed in this new dress. And the dress is the fruits of the Spirit. And that's what the world is going to see. Now, these are the ends of the verses. And we could go on and it says, and whatever you do, and I didn't even talk about the singing because we got singing down in here. All right? (laughs) Singing, though, does have a place. And this is Paul saying, you know what? It does prepare you for worship. And it does speak spiritual truth. And it is a way of saying, thank you, Lord. And that's the truth. It's not just some invention of man. It is not. And so, because 
if, if, it's interesting to me that we are taking singing to heaven. Therefore, singing was thought of before any of us were ever here. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if it would be a piano or an organ, but you know what? The songs, and I always said this when I was on the pulpit. Just think this. If you can't think anything else while you're singing those songs out there, you're just practicing for the big show because it's coming, and it's going to be fun. I, don't, I guess we're going to know all the words. Okay, let's get through this because we're almost done. And whatever you do, do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is Paul's reminder that we were without hope. We couldn't do it ourselves. The verse in, in, in Romans that has been fascinating to me is he says, he says, not only would you not go to God in your old self, you couldn't go to God. You were hostile to God. Even if you wanted to, you couldn't. But you know what? Paul reminds us that we couldn't. Not only wouldn't we, but we couldn't. And we had no hope. And so what he's saying is that in doing everything in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, because he's who gets the glory because of what he's done for us. I want to apply this. Janet said, please give us some one, two, threes so that we can take it home. And so here's what I'll try to do real quick. And, and guys, this is proactive, just like your wardrobe's proactive. I'm, point, I'm not pointing at you, I'm just pointing. Does your wardrobe fit your identity? Does it? Ask yourself that. Am I really who I am? You know, I have to tell you that I'm in somebody's house and I'm walking around and there's nobody there and I'm working and I got free reign. And you know what I have to keep reminding myself of? Do I have my hammer? Do I got my nails? No, I wish. You know what I have to remind myself of? I am an elder. Act like an elder. Look around like an elder. Be responsible like an elder. An elder's got to tell himself that. Isn't that great to hear? Don't. I may be done with that by the end of the day. <laughs> but you know what? I have to do that. I have to say, am I looking like who I am? Because I don't want to be looking like who I was. That's no fun. Oh, well, that's fun for about that much time. I need to look like who I am based upon who I am in Christ. And you know what? That's, it's, again, this is no fog. This is no mystery. This is, I'm going to do that. Second, I got them, points, one, two, and three. <laughs> do the effects of your job or your relationships or your attitudes affect your outfit? Do they? Then change it. Fix it. Change it. Do I mean change your relationships and change your job and change your, your position? No. No. God has put us there. Change your outfit. Fix your clothes. Put on the double layer of gentleness today. The poncho of prayer, as Bob used to say. Put it on. And you know what? It is proactive. This is not reactive. It is pro I, you don't get up in the morning and get dressed as a reaction. You get ready to go. 
And that's why Paul's message about it being clothing is so fun. Okay. If you, and Paul mentioned this yesterday, if, if you would get in the habit of saying thank you all the time to at least something. Okay, I've got to ask a question. How long have we been praying for big rain? A long time. Would anybody be willing to admit that they stepped in the mud this morning or they got wet because they didn't have an umbrella or they had to take the trash out and get it in the back of the truck and everybody seems to be in there having fun and i got to take the trash out and i got to go study and i got to go make the coffee. Would anybody in here admit to being a little bit irritated by the rain this morning? Anybody? I would. Y'all are a bunch of liars. <laughs> by the way, one of the verses that I didn't talk about a little bit, don't lie to each other. You know what? The thing is this. You can walk around like this, or you can walk around like this. You can be thankful. You can say, where might I be if I wasn't right here? And you know, it's easy to say. You might be in prison. But you know what? You might be in a car that won't start. Or you might be sitting at the gas pump going, I got $3.16. Or you might be hiding your Bible. And you know what? You can always take what we've been given and think of something worse. And I dread the fact that someday I may look back on this and go, could you believe how much we had and we squandered it by not being grateful? So... Make a habit of seeing somebody in the line at the checkout booth and saying, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for just smiling, even if they don't smile. (laughs) Thank you for coming to work on Sunday. That's a great lead into the gospel, by the way. I appreciate the fact that although I get to go to church, you're sitting here behind this cash register. Thank you. I appreciate the fact that you're willing to come to work. Or I appreciate the fact that you were willing to help me do this. You know what? Find something or somebody to be thankful for today. And then I'm going to close with this. I'm having this conversation with this guy last week. And in all of our unrighteousness, God knew. And he prompted us. And he said, there's a better way. And I was thinking about this this morning. Remember the, the invalid at the pool of Siloam, I think? And all he needed to do was get to the water and he'd be healed. Or so he thought. And so this friend of mine was telling me the other day that he's trying to reach. He's trying to get to God. And you know what? No matter what he does, no matter how tall a heels he wears or how he stretches his arm or cuts his hair, he can't reach high enough. And so what, what occurred to both of us was that, number one, well, the reason you can't reach is because you're not tall enough. And the reason you're not tall enough is because your arms aren't long enough. But what are the things that we do know? We were made in God's image. Our arms are exactly as long as they were supposed to be. And so in our inability to reach, 
that space, God reached out. He didn't make us keep trying. He reached out. And, you know, there's a funny verse in Hebrews. That's not a verse that you think about when you think about the gospel. But it says, there's a place where someone has testified, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at the present, we don't see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus, who made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You know what? All these things I'm talking about, all this stuff I'm talking about putting on, you can't do it in your own. You don't have the strength to do it. You can't do it. You can do it for a day. You can do it for a week. And if you really, I ran an ultra marathoner the other day. Runs 100-mile races. He could probably do it for a month. He can do it for at least 100 miles. But you know what? You're going to give up, and it's going to get frustrating. So you need to recognize that there is a power bigger than us that says, I can do that. I can reach down, and I can take that gap, and I can close it. And so you know what? I know that everybody here is a Christian, right? No, I don't. I really don't. I don't. And so I'm going to suggest this to you. I want you to truly consider who Jesus Christ is. And I want you to truly consider who you are. And I want you to truly consider where you know you're going the day that you step off this earth. Because God said, I would, I would desire that none would perish. And you know what my thought is? That if you're in this room, you're called. And it's now on you to experience the joy and the freedom and the love and the power and the ability and the strength given us by a crucified Christ who is now at God's right hand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I pray for Paul. I pray especially morning this morning, Father, for Paul that the words he speaks would be strong and that they would be your words and that the Holy Spirit would speak through him. And that, Father, as one body, this body might represent your love and your grace and your mercy to a dying world and that we might do it with joy and power and strength and gentleness and humility. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.